This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Always, amen. Go with me, if you will, into Isaiah 62, which is we've been kind of establishing this teaching that we're still we're still flowing out of being made uh, a preparation by the master's hand. We're still there and we're going to stay there for uh, probably for the rest of the year. God is molding us and shaping us and making us and preparing us for what is to come for his next move. And believe me, his next move is sooner than you think. In, in, in chapter 62, we are on lesson, I think, uh, on, on this particular session, I think we're about on the fourth lesson, and we know we've been preparing to meet the, God's next move, to preparing to be a part of God's next move, because God is moving. In this chapter in Isaiah, where God, Isaiah's delivering a sermon to the, to the nation of Israel, and letting them know what God was gonna do, and God is delivering a message to us today and letting us know that he had you know that we were in we are in desperate need of restoration God wants to restore us. He wants to restore the generation. He wants to restore everything that has been brought down. And I'm talking about uh, when we as people, listen, when we as people leave the place that God desires for us to be, we are no longer living according to the Word of God and according to the will of God. Whenever you leave the place where God wants you to be, you have moved. You have moved away from what God's will is for your life and the Word of God. I don't care how much you come from the, come to church. If you move where God has placed you, where God wants you to be, you cannot do your own thing in the kingdom. It's His kingdom. The Bible says that He sets us in the, in, in the, in the, the body as He sees fit. And He wants us to stay there so that you can grow and develop as He sees fit. You can't tell the Maker how you want to be made and how you, what should go on. That, that's crazy. How are you going to tell the Creator what you need? He knows what you need. He created you. Amen? Church, whenever we stray from the will of God, spiritually and naturally, it will have an impact on our lives. Where it will, your natural life becomes a mess when you stray away from God spiritually. And God is encouraging us by letting us know that He is restoring us. He has brought us to a place where He's preparing us so that we can be restored. He's been giving us message after, after message, giving us instructions and directions after instructions and directions in order that we might be restored. But you have to take those, put them into, He gave us all kinds of tools to work with. He said, I'm giving you the tools to work with to get the job done, to be restored. Now, you got to take them and your restoration will begin. Amen? But in order to be restored, there's a work that we have to do. So it was a work Israel had to do, so it is with us. So in verse 10 of 62, it says, Go through. Go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. And God is speaking to us. And He's going to make a way. 
He wants us to make a way to the way. And the way is Jesus. God said, you need to be that. But I want to go through you. I want to restore you that I can use you to make a way for the people that I love. The people that are hurting or oppressed, depressed. I want you to be that passage. I want you to be a gateway. And so you have some things that you have to do. You should know that there are people that belong to God. That he wants And God said, I want you to clear out every stumbling block in your life, everything that's causing you to slow down, everything that's causing others to stumble that I want to come in because you're not where you're supposed to. Get rid of it. Just get rid of it. We cannot be a stumbling block and we cannot be used by God if we have all of the standard. Then he said, lift up a standard. And when he says lift up the standard, he said, by being an example. We need to be an example. We need to be what we desire others to be. Now, if you, now look at your life. Do you desire others to be what you are? Because, see, we should be what we desire others to be. Remember, it's God's next move. We need to get the people in. Remember, there's always, always preparation before his next move. And this is what he's doing right now. Amen. He's given us an opportunity to prepare. Preparation is good. He did that throughout the Bible. Everybody that did anything, they always had a preparation. Whether it was Noah, Moses, even Jesus himself, before he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven. Everything takes preparation when you're going to do something for God. When God is going to move, before he moves, he will call a people or a person to prepare for that move. Are you with me? As, and then I told you as a church, we must love preparation. Learn to love it. Learn to love it. And you know what? Most people, not all, but most people like showtime, but not preparation. They like showtime, but not preparation. Not, not, I don't want preparation time. I just want showtime. Most people like to show up and do something, but they don't like the work of preparation that goes before. They're like, oh, I can just do that. I don't need no preparation. No, that's not how God works. That's not how God, that's how mistakes are made. That's how wrong choices are made. I'm just going to do something without preparation. That's why you should be listening to the premarital classes. That's a preparation time. And nobody wants to, and it tickles me how people act like they live, you know, that already got their mindset that they get married and they just go through the motions of listening to the, to, to the premarital class. That's not preparation. Preparation is I'm listening tentatively, I'm submitting fully, and I'm conforming completely. I'm not thinking about the wedding day and saying I don't care what you say and what you do, I am going to get married. That, that class is not for you. This is for someone that's saying, God, help me get where I need to be before. That's called preparation. Amen. Listen, you can't perform if you, if you can't prepare. That's why your marriage is in trouble now. Because, see, you didn't prepare. I'll say it again. You can't perform if you don't prepare. And you can't perform the will of God. 
if you don't prepare yourself. You cannot. You have to have. And then we have to have an urgency. There's no urgency because there's no preparation. You know, people that prepare and give it, they, when, when the game get ready to go or whatever they've been preparing for, when they're prepared, they have an urgency. Let's get it because I'm prepared now. But you have no urgency because there's no preparation. If you know preparation takes, uh, listen, I've said it time and time again, preparation takes a long time. Longer than you think. And we need to take the time of preparation seriously. Again, preparation requires participation. If we're going to be prepared, you must be involved with the work. You cannot sit in here and not be involved with the work and say that you're prepared. Listen, I've been called a long time. Actually, when in my 20s. And I'm 60-something now. Listen. But I accepted my call in ministry when I was in my 20s. So, um, I accepted it in my 20s and I'm 60 now. That, for me to get where I am now, God had to prepare me three decades. Almost three decades. And somebody else thinks they could just jump up. I know it looks, it, it just looks like I can just do whatever. But preparation. And sometimes you don't even know what you're being prepared for, but it's a preparation. Sometimes it takes somebody two decades, one decade. Well, it, everybody, it's just not something that you just get up and do. Did you hear me? Yeah, I know. It looks like I just got into this position. No, there's a lot of time in preparation. I, and one thing I didn't do, I just didn't sit in ministry for three decades and do nothing. And then just got up here one day, just showed up. Well, first of all, our foundation pastor would never have gone for that. But I wouldn't have been prepared. God's been working with me on every area of my life for four decades just to get to this position. Hmm. But again, God didn't prepare me by just sitting on the sidelines, doing nothing and being religious. See, we have a lot of people doing nothing but being religious. They know every answer in the Bible. They can, they can do it. But they do nothing just on the sidelines. That's like a person that don't vote but have everything, that want to say everything about politics it is. And who shouldn't and who shouldn't be there. If you don't vote, you say nothing. If you don't do any work, you just sit there. But don't act like now I'm ready to work. No. He prepared me through work in the ministry. Well, what do you mean by that, sister? Uh, I cleaned toilets. See, that was preparation. I taught children's ministry. I sung in the choir, I swept floors, I, I mean, I, I did a lot of different things. I helped my husband that was a pastor, I did administrative work, I worked with the youth group, I did, all of that, all of those, I, I was doing stuff. I said, I, I never saw you. Well, you haven't been here from the beginning. Hmm. 
soul. You need to understand that He prepares you step. He, he prepared me step by step, week by week, month by month, and year by year. And I would have failed in my time of preparation. If I would have just, now I'm not going to do that. I just want to jump and do it. Let me tell you, I would not be ready right now for this move. I, could, I wouldn't be ready. I know a lot of people think you're ready, but you, have, you haven't went through the preparation. Just this te- these teachers are showing you. Church, we must prepare ourselves so we can be prepared. We can prepare others. In other words, we can't prepare others if we're not prepared ourselves. We don't want to be in an unrighteous position because we're not prepared. Because when you're not prepared, you are in an unrighteous position. We are in a dispensation of preparation. As a church, we must get ready individually and collectively. Prepared for what? To do our part. In whatever his next move is. Church, there is a disconnection between God's people and the promises of God. And we can't just sit in church every Sunday, sit in church or stream, now that we've been streaming, and just be glad that we got God. I'm just glad I'm saved. I'm just glad I know him. You, we cannot just sit and do that. We're, why? Because we're sitting with the answers. We have the answers. We're streaming with the answers. And the oppressed and the depressed and the confused and the hurting, they're without. And we just, I'm just glad I'm saved. We need to bridge that gap. Between what? Between the disconnection between God and His promises. Those that have the answer need to make sure that those that don't have the answer get the answer. That's one of the things we have to do. I want to establish the will of God in each one of our lives. And we want to be established. We want our families established. We need to establish. You know what? That's going to help us in every area of our life when you are established. Productive and established. Remember, remember the earlier teacher. You must be established and productive. It will help us establish our church. So when we establish our church, we establish families. When we establish families, we ensure generational success. Because it's established. It's established. And it takes time to establish. Amen? So we know we have to be ready to advance planning. And when you do that, then you know, you know you've heard the voice of God. You listen. And what, you know what? When you hear the voice of God and, and, and you get a miracle, listen to me. It is God's word that sustains you, but listen. But it is manifested through obedience. See, we just, we just act like it just happens. No, but it manifests itself. You get the miracle. You get what you need through obedience. I want you to get that. See, because I'm not going to give you the hype like this, that. No, no, no. It goes through obedience. Are you with me? See, a lot of times people are looking for miracles, but a miracle comes through obedience. See, if you obey some of the things that God has been telling us, listen, through this pandemic, if you just obey some of those things, it'll change your whole environment that you're in right now. It'll change it. You'll survive it. And God will provide. Why? Because I'm obedient 
through it all. See, I don't make sure. Oh, well, I can't do this now. I can't. God said, you still have to obey me. God does not change because the climate changed. Because anything changed. As if he's going to be surprised. You know, we talked about being ready in advance. But listen, you can't be ready late. You can't be ready late. You cannot. And what I'm trying to do in these teachings is speed up our clock. How, what do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean speed up our clock? I want to us ready and waiting. Listen, I want us ready and waiting and not having God waiting on us to get ready. See, I want us to already be ready. And we're waiting on the next move of God. I don't want by the time the move of God still waiting for us to get ready to do something. So I'm trying to speed that up. I want us to be like I found in Pastor Thought. I want us to think like he thought. This and then this is the way he thought. This is just how he was, and this is and, and, and we ought to adopt this. It's a good thing to adopt. This was his saying. If you're on time, you're late. If you're on time, you're late. He was a stickler with that. If you're, he couldn't stand, and he watched people that was late. And when something we would want to do and we discuss it, he'd say, nope, they're always late. We can't use that. We can't use it. He was a stickler for that. He would always say, if you're on time, you're late. I hope you're taking the warnings. I hope you're taking the warning of God seriously. And move with fear and proper reverence and respect for his word and his power so that we can finish the assignment. Why do we need to finish the assignment? Well, I told you last week why. Because a half boat won't float. I said a half boat won't float. That's why we must finish the assignment. We, can't, we ain't half doing nothing because it won't float. Did you hear me? Neither will an ark on the roof. Listen. Neither will an ark. If you have an ark without a roof, let me tell you, you're in trouble. Why? It won't help you on a rainy day. You'll get that later. An ark without a roof will not help you on a rainy day because the rain is coming in. Think on it. Just think on it. You'll probably get that much later, but you'll get it. God promised me you'd get it. It won't help you on a rainy day. Some of you all, let me tell you, you, you you're going you're gonna to always get there late. Now you got to get rid of that. God is not going to do, get you to help prepare in this next move and get you, get you ready for the next move if you're late. And have you noticed how late people always come in? They always come in looking dumbfounded, like, what happened? What's, what's going on? They never know what's going on. They, they, and, and that's how you're going to do when God starts moving. You're gonna, and every, we're going to be all in the midst of doing what God says. And then you're going to come in like, where, 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 where's my part? What I, what I want to do? You, you know, you get in, you start messing with stuff. And like, they'll be like, no, 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 don't touch that. We've already done that. And God has been talking for, for years to some of you about always late. And listen, we're just talking about spiritual things. Listen, if you're always late with natural things, you're always late with spiritual things. 
And I guarantee you, you're late with your bills. You're late with everything. Yes, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. And God can't use you like that. Are you with me? Now go with me to Ezra chapter 7. We're still dealing with how to be ready. We started that last, last week. How to be ready to be used by God. Preparation is essential to be used by God. God cannot use us if we are not prepared. How many times can God say that? Listen, some of you have prayers that you have been praying to God about your families, about your children, about so many things. Maybe, I mean, maybe concerning people that you grew up with. Maybe, you know, you've been, God, and they've been hurting and they're struggling and you've been watching it. And you've just been praying and praying. Some of you have been praying for years. But have you ever asked yourself this? If God wanted to use me to answer that prayer, are you ready? See, you're praying, but what if God said, okay, I want you to answer the prayer. Are you ready? Some of you are saying, look at my family. Look at my cousins. Look at my nieces. Look at my nephews. Look at how many of them are hurting and they're in trouble. And look at how many of them are not in place where they need to be. They're all out of place. But if God said, okay... Okay, I'm ready to do a work. I've heard your prayer. It's come up as a sweet smelling savor. It's come up like incense unto heaven. I hear your cry. Now I'm ready to work. And I'm going to do it through you. Ask yourself, are you ready? See, that's what we, we miss it. We always think God's going to answer our prayers. You know, God, might, what, what are you there for? Are you ready? Are you ready? See, that's the one thing of be careful about praying. You, it might get answered. See, we just so used to just pray. But let me tell you, God just might answer that prayer. And the answer may be you. But are you ready? Some say, you know, I agree, I agree, Pastor. People need to be saved and we need to get people, we need to get people in our church because we got an awesome word. We need to do all of that. God said, yeah, we need all of that, but are you ready when they come? Are you ready for them to come in? Are you ready to not have your seat? See, something simple, since you're so ready. Are you ready to not have your seat? Are you ready to have a relationship with somebody you don't know? It's easy with everybody you know. But are you ready to have a relationship with somebody you don't know? <laughs> Be careful. God just might answer your prayers. But the way you listen. But the way he might answer it, <laughs> your prayers, is different. See, we always think we know. The question to you is, are you ready? And just by the scriptures, we know everybody's not ready. How do I know everybody's not ready according to the scriptures? Because the scriptures tells me that the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the whole earth. Seeking 
Someone he can work through. That means he's bypassing a lot of people that's saying they're ready. Why is he, why is he going, going, why is he roaming and looking? It says the eyes of the Lord is just looking to him. Look at who he can use. That in itself tells me many people are being passed up. Many of folk. Did you hear me? If everybody that said they was ready was ready, he don't have to, his eyes don't have to run to and fro. There they are, there they are, there they are, there they are. No, it says he just was all throughout the earth looking. Who? Who's ready? Not in word only. The reason why God was able to use Ezra is because Ezra was what? Ready. <laughs> Look at verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon and he was a what scribe? A ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given, and the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. This Ezra, we already know that he was sent by God to establish the worship back into Jerusalem. But he, but this is, this is, this, get this. God sent him back to reestablish the worship in, in, in Israel. But listen, I mean in Jerusalem. But listen what happened. He couldn't do it without the permission of a secular king. He couldn't do it without the secular king. And guess what? The secular king wouldn't have done it on his own. God touched the king's heart. So you know what? We don't have to worry about who's in office. We just need to be ready... And God will touch the heart. He'll touch the heart. It says that He gave him everything he needed. Hmm. And can you imagine Ezra probably spent years praying to God that worship would be restored in Jerusalem. Years. And God heard his prayer Touched the heart of the king and then sent Ezra. God heard Ezra's prayer and sent him. But, but think on this. What if Ezra had, wouldn't have been ready? What if Ezra wouldn't have been ready? See, some of us are saying, God, my family's desperate, in desperate need. They need you desperately. But ask yourself, are you ready to be the patriarch of the family? Are you ready to be the matriarch of the family? So, uh, uh, Pastor, I don't know, what is a matriarch and a patriarch? Uh, are you ready to be that person that everyone in the family can come to spiritually and naturally to seek the direction for their lives? See, it's one thing to desire something. It's another thing to be a ready person. See, you can desire to be it. You know, you know, sometimes you have people, they want everybody to come to them. In a, see, that's just something that you seek. But it's more to it than people be able to come to you. We're going to get to it. A patriarch and a matriarch are, are, is more than just somebody that uh, know it all. <laughs> we also learned, just, just follow me, we also learned last week, that in order to be ready, you have to be skilled. That means you have to have knowledge and the ability to be used. When you're ready, you are diligent. 
That means you have proven that you're going to be consistent and persistent in the work that God has given you to do. And let me tell you, you would see it in the action. I could see it in the men's action around our church, the consistency and the persistency that they get the job done. They get the job done. And let me tell you, I've said it in time past and I've said it again. This will not be a woman-ran church. See, I don't run the church. God does. I'm delegated authority from above. But this would not be a rough. Let me tell you, our men are in the forefront. And I'm okay with that. I know who I am. When you're ready, you are attentive. Meaning that you're able to focus on the details of the assignment. You cannot, listen to me, you cannot... And will not be ready and distracted. They don't go together. You have to focus on the details. And properly positioned. You have to be properly positioned. That means that I am in the state and the condition. The state and the condition so that God can use me. I've got myself where I need to be. I'm positioned. I'm in the right state. I'm in the right condition that God has placed me in. And that's where and I'm allowing God to use me. How do, how do I do that? My life has been restored. My life has been made whole. How? I've been listening to the word. I've been using the tools that he gave me. And the restoration has begun. And I, I'm, I'm feeling whole. I know I, I think differently. I know I'm whole. My life is in the will of God. And on course to be ready to be used by God. And the main thing is I'm willing. See, we ain't talking about experience. We're talking about willing now. And then I must see the value in the work that God is asking me to do. If you don't see the value in this ministry and you're a part of this ministry, you need to go find some ministry that you find value in. Because you're wasting your time and you're wasting our time. Because you must see value. There's a lot of people that say they're ready until they find out, listen, what it's going to require. Then they're no longer willing. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, what? You have to do all, what? You have to do all of that. What? See, now the requirements come in. There are requirements. To be ready means that I'm going to be prompt. That means I'm going to move immediately when God speaks to my heart. To be ready simply means that I'm available to work. Listen, if you're going to be ready, your heart has to be prepared. Your mind has to be prepared and your life has to be prepared, simply put. Now, all of that we just covered last week. That was, that was just our introduction. Let's go to our first point of the day or for the morning. Write it down. To be used by God, my heart must be prepared. Look at verse 10, uh, uh, verse 10 of chapter 7. My heart must be prepared. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. Let me read it again. First point of the day. If I'm going to be used by God, I must prepare my heart. For Ezra 
had prepared his heart to seek the law of God, of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel the statutes and judgments. Ezra had prepared his heart, church. The first and most important step to be used by God is to get your heart prepared. Now, what do you mean by that? There is a difference between having a heart for something, listen, and having a heart prepared to do something. That is two different things. I'll say it again. There's a difference between a heart for something and having a heart prepared to do something. Now, I was thinking, and you know, because of everything that's, that's going on and, and praying to the Lord, and this is the thing that I, w- I thought on. I rarely, rarely, now in our church we have it, but I'm just saying out there run into it. I rarely run across black men that doesn't have a heart for black men. A black man that, that doesn't have a heart for black men. Listen. But I also rarely, rarely, rarely run across a black man who has a heart prepared to do something for a black man. There's a difference. I'll say it again. I rarely run across a black man that doesn't have a heart for black men. They do. But I also rarely run across a black man who has a heart prepared to do something for a black man. Those are two different things. Let me show you how it is. You can see a black man and you're riding down the street and you see a police got him on the ground and they got his knee knee on his neck and you feel bad and you feel hurt and you feel and you might even cry and it breaks your heart. But the question is, are you ready to do something? Listen. There's a difference between having a heart for and a heart prepared. Stay with me. A heart for, write it down, just means that your heart breaks. That's having a heart for. It just means your heart breaks for what you see. That's a heart having a heart for. If your heart, I'm hurt about what I see is happening. But a heart prepared means that your heart's in a condition that God can use your heart condition to affect change in what you see. See, that's different. Now my heart is in a position where God can use my heart to affect change from what I see. And I'm not talking about protesting. I'm not talking about being mad about it. Just stay with me. Because those are two different things. I want you to get that clear. I want to slow down so you can get that. Get it. You have a heart that's prepared, a heart for just just a heart for doing something. It just means that my heart breaks. I'm hurt about it. But a heart prepared is a heart that is in a condition that God can use that heart condition that you're in. To affect change in what you see. 
And a lot of times when it comes to down to the assignment, this is why that's why you need to understand it's a hard deal because you're you have a lot of times that's why people can't fulfill an assignment. You're not heart right. You're not heart right. You don't get it. You have a heart for, but you don't have a heart prepared. There's a difference. A heart prepared is conditioned so God can use you to, to exercise change on what you see. A heart for is just, I'm hurt by what I see. And I'm mad about what I see. Hmm. I, I hope you're getting this. There's a difference. It's easy. To look out on our generation and see how many marriages are struggling and how many children are born out of wedlock and all the, you know, all the uh, suicidal deals, racism, and we, we see it all. The rates of racism is very high in this country right now. And everything else that's going on, it's easy to have a heart for. See, because you grieve at what you see. But that's just a hard thought. Oh, I hate that. I mean, all over social media, all I see is people with a heart for. But not a heart prepared. I'm grieved by what I see. Oh, I went back and looked at that again. Say, I'm grieved by what I see. I'm tired of looking. I couldn't look at it no more. But I'm looking at other stuff. But I'm, 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 I'm grieved by what I see. But do you have a heart prepared? To minister. See, now we're getting into it. Do you have a heart prepared to minister to somebody? Now, that's a different question. That's a whole different question. Do you have a heart prepared to minister to somebody? In the midst of the confusion. And many are many people, many of God's people are confusing a heart for with the heart prepared. And what God is challenging Church of the Living Water with, and those of you that are streaming with, if you're streaming, you're not here by happenstance, God is telling you, God is challenging you with the unseen work. God said, I want you all to do the unseen work. See, this thing working with your heart, Preparing your heart condition, that's unseen work. <laughs> that's unseen work. Listen, listen. If I called every man there, if I would say over the streaming right now, we're about to do something in this church, and we need all the chairs out of this church, all the chairs out, we need, let me tell you, I would have no problem. They, let me, in record time, I've seen it happen. In record time, all the chairs will be out in a flash. No problem. But guess what? That scene work. That scene work. Everybody likes to do that. Everybody likes to do that. Why? Because it's scene work. Guess what? People are naturally better at scene work. People are just naturally better at scene work. Why? Because scene work put me in a certain kind of light. But it's the unseen work that causes success. I said it's the unseen work that causes success. It's the work that you can't see. 
Did you hear me? It's the work that you can't see. There's a lot of people. I'm going to tell you right now. It's a lot of people. What I'm doing right now, it's a lot of people. Say, oh, I can do what she's doing. I can do what the founder pastor is doing. I can do what any of those ministers can do. I can get up there. And that's fine and you probably could. But see, the unseen work is, are you willing to take six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours out on Saturdays, on Fridays, on Tuesday and study for all of it? See, that's the unseen work. This, this is an hour of this. That, that, this is, let me tell you, this is just putting forth. But the unseen work, the six and seven hours, the research, are, are, are you ready? Are you willing to do it for the rest of your life? Look at somebody and say, are you ready? See, that's called unseen work. And see, the unseen work makes the seen works have power. Have power. It makes the seen work have effect. There's a lot of people that, listen, there's a lot of people that can roll a message off their tongue far more eloquent than me. Far more eloquent than me. There are many people that can exegete the scriptures. I'm telling you, Hebrew, Latin, I'm telling you, Arabic, far better than me. Far with any better. I can do it. I can say what a little Greek, but I got to search it out. They can just spread it out. There are many people he can, who can get up here right now and give speeches that will have people jumping, hollering, screaming, and throwing handkerchiefs. But this is what I want to know. <laughs> Are you willing to do the heart work? The heart work. That heart work comes on the inside that causes a congregation of people to know that you have their best interest at heart. Not just the show, but you are ministering to me because you have my best interest at heart. And you have my best interest at heart when nobody else is around. When nobody else is around. See, it's easy to show people. It's easy. That's easy stuff. But do you have my best interest of heart when nobody's around? Again, I'm talking about the inside work. See, everybody want to adopt somebody on Sunday where you can see what they're doing for them. Oh, we did this for them. We did that. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And you like for them to see you doing things in front of people to show them that I'm doing the message. You see, I'm helping them. That's scene work. What about you helping them on Sunday where everybody can see you? But do you help them on Mondays and Tuesdays when nobody sees you? When they're depending on your walk to get them through and they, that nobody sees it. Oh, I, don't need, I don't need them calling me during the weekday. I help them on Sunday. Well, so everybody can see me. But that unseen stuff, where nobody sees me, hmm. walking patiently with them through their trials, through their... Nobody knows that they even look into you as, as an example. Nobody even know it because you are just privately doing your thing away from church. Where it's nobody but you and them. 
Now, see again, I'm talking about a heart prepared. That's different from a heart for. Everybody got a heart to do, oh, we want to do something. That's a heart for. But a heart prepared has to do with the unseen work. I have to make sure that my heart is healed. Because if my heart is not healed, I can't do what God is asking me to do. I cannot. I cannot have a heart full of hurts and minister to the hurts of others. Mine is hurt. I have to. That's why God says, I want to restore you because you can't help anybody if you're in trouble with the same trouble. So ask yourself, have you really let God heal your hurts? This is the question. Have you done the difficult work of forgiving? See, God is always bringing us back to this of just forgiving others the way God forgave you. See, just think of it like that. Don't, I don't want to just say forgiving others, but forgiving others the way God forgave you. Or do you still have heart, uh, art in your heart, heart towards someone? Ask yourself. See, if I'm still hurt in my heart, God can't use me. Why? Because God is going to bring people in my life like the person that hurt me. <laughs> Get it? That's why God said, deal with the hurt. Because I'm going to bring some of them same kind of people right in your life like the one that hurt you. So have you really cleansed your heart? Have I allowed God to cleanse my heart on the inside? Have I got the dirt and the filth out of my heart that leads to sin and unrighteousness and ungodliness? Have I cleansed out the nastiness that's on the inside? See, it's all down deep. Have I cleaned out the bigotry, the prejudice, the racism, the judgment? See, all of that, have you cleansed all of that out? Let me tell you, you can measure yourself with what's been going on in our country. How have your heart been feeling about it? Have you been having a heart for? Or a heart prepared? Are you angry at all the police? Heart for? Heart prepared? Take a measuring stick just on that. God can't use you because your heart is not right. In other words, you have not really repented. And you've not really done the hard work. of not healing my heart and cleansing my heart. <laughs> but you have to do the hard work of strengthening your heart. Listen, if you don't do that... Listen, the assignment of God will make your heart fail because the assignment of God is going to come down. It, it pressed against all of that. It pressed against all of those hurts. That's why God said, get it all out because when I give you an assignment, it's going to put pressure on all of that. Have I really, really hidden God's Word in my heart so that I won't sin against Him? Have I buried the scriptures on the inside? Listen, not just saying, saying them in repetition, not just quoting them, but living by them. There's a difference. I'm not asking you how much you can quote. Everybody can quote. 
Little bitty children can quote. Don't even know that. They just practice it and quote it. I'm asking how much can be seen flowing out of your heart. Have I done the difficult work of guarding my heart? You know why? Because God's assignment is going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you. And if you're not guarding your eye, your, what your eyes see, what your ears hear, if you're not guarding what your mind thinks, it will contaminate your heart. Know that. You have to guard that. And you have not done the hard work because it's contaminating. Unseen work of preparing my heart to minister takes the unseen work nobody sees. Have I done the hard work of loving unconditionally? To trust. Because see, inherent and built in to trust is the breach of trust. The breaking of trust. It's, it's in there. Because it's, it's always a possibility. It's inherited and built into it. See, is my heart in the position when if I minister to a person, listen, if I minister to a person and they portray me, the next day I get up and I minister to the next one. Instead of saying, oh God. I'm talking about the hard unseen work. Is my heart in a position? Is my heart in a position that if I poured out for some on somebody a whole year, just spending time with them, ministering to them, and I look up the next year and they leave the church, took everything that I taught them with them, am I all right to bring in the next person and sit them next to me and begin to minister to them? Heart prepared. Instead of saying, oh, you know what? I'm, let me tell you, I've been there. Where you'd be like, you know what? How many? Um, when, when would they listen? And then God will bring somebody else in. And you just go, you just minister to them. See, you, see, see, a heart for, you look at it and say, oh, she's, she's, She's getting close with that person. And they, are they just going to do that again? No, 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 no. I have a... Uh, my, my heart is prepared. I'm going to minister to them. I'm looking for somebody that's hungry. That want to be mentored. That want to hear the Word of God. See, there, there's a difference with, the, with your heart being prepared. You got to get up. After they leave with everything you taught them, all the time you spent with them, and go on to the next person as if it never happened. Oh, let's go a little closer. Can somebody speak to you in the wrong way and you still show up next Sunday with a smile? Instead of, hmm, mm, 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 mm. Let's go a little further. Is my heart prepared? Can someone cuss me in the parking lot and I'm still all right? Why? Because I understand that's just where they are. That's just where they are. I'm talking about a heart prepared. Be like, they start cussing. I left their tails alone. But let me tell you, we've all heard, uh, let me tell you, we've, uh, well, actually, God said our conversation used to be like that in time past. Some people, that's the only colorful way they know how to talk. You gonna cut them off and leave them alone? 
See, you have a heart for them, but if you can't step out of there, my heart's not prepared to go that far. Hmm. Letter A. My heart must be prepared to seek the law of God. Listen, if your heart is not healed, strengthened, you will not seek the law of God. To seek the law of God means to diligently search for God's direction and instruction. I gotta diligently search for that. Listen, if your heart is not healed and God gives you some instructions, your response is, I'm not gonna do that. Now, it's coming from a person, so you saying I'm not gonna do it. You think you're talking about, I'm not gonna do what that person said. But no, they're speaking by the Spirit of God. You're telling God, I'm not gonna do that. Because remember the last time I did that? Let me tell you what they did. See? If my heart's not clean, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna diligently search the law of God. Because I know God is going to challenge me. That's why you won't search it. You won't diligently search it because God is going to challenge you to clean up some of the things that you enjoy doing. And you're like, I don't want God to touch that. So I don't want to seek that far. He might tell me to stop doing this or that. If my heart is not guarded, I'm not really diligently seeking and searching out the law of God because I know if God really speaks to me, I'm going to have to cut off some things and some people that I don't want to leave out of my life and I don't want to let go. Because yes, when you start seeking the law of God, He will start cutting things away and purging. You might have to get rid of that liquor bar at home. Oh, God, I'm just, that, that, that's why I don't have nobody come over now. Yeah. Well, then there you know that's God, because I've never been to your house. But see, that's one of the things God might be dealing with you about and saying, nope, you're going to have to get rid of that. See, you have to prepare your heart to seek the law of God. See, there are some of you, God is speaking to you, and, and you're doing just like a child doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, why? Uh, I don't want to do. Oh, Lord, come on. Your heart's not prepared. You don't have a prepared heart. Letter B. My heart, I have to be prepared to do the law of God. Listen, if your heart is not prepared, you just won't obey. You will not. It says Ezra's heart was prepared to seek the law of God, but not only to seek it, but to do it. So if my heart is not prepared and God tells me forgive, guess what? I just won't do it. I won't do it. You know what? This this blessed me. I found this and I said, thank you, God. God, you know, just in, in recent, listen to him. Please write it down. Do you know one of the definitions God gave me for forgive? Listen to me closely. This will help somebody. This will help you right now. This is your word. It means to let go so that you can go to another place. Forgive means to let go so that you can go to another place. So that means when you're holding on to it, you can't go to another place. You got to let it go so that you can go to another place. In other words, as long as you're holding on to unforgiveness, you can't go to another place. You cannot. 
And some of you know what God wants you to do. You know what He wants you to do. He, you know He wants you to go to another place, but you can't. Why? Because it's going to require you to let go and you're still holding on. You know why you're still holding on and you won't let go? Because you feel like the penalty have to be paid. Remember that? And that's not your job. You want a penalty paid for this. God said, nope, that's not your job. Have somebody ever owed you money? Listen to me. Have somebody ever owed you money and you just been holding on, waiting for it, waiting for them to pay you back? You know what? At some point, you got to let it go. And just tell yourself, well, you know what? I'm still getting a paycheck. Just, just let it go and realize I'm still getting a paycheck. Just waiting. You got to just let it go. My heart must be prepared, let us see, to teach the law of God. If my heart is not prepared, I will not be able to teach the law of God. Now, the word teach is very interesting because it doesn't necessarily mean the way you think it means. Because a lot of us feel that we're ready to teach. And we don't even know what teaching is. I want to teach new members class. I want to teach this class. I want to teach this. I want to teach that. To teach means to show by example. There you go. How you going to have go to church and you want to teach. To teach, what we're talking about, means to show by example. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine just personally talking to him and and he was saying that you know he wanted his family to be right but he drinks just a friend but he drinks listen you can't teach and drink you can't teach anybody the word of God and still drink Did I tell you what teach means? To show by example. See, you can't be upset with the younger people in your family that's getting high because so are you. Well, they're getting high. uh, So are you. You're just doing it in liquid form. So I'm giving you the same counsel I gave them. You're just doing it in liquid form. How many of you know night will come in peel and liquid, but it's the same? So it is. I'm like, you're just doing it in liquid form. You can't, if you can't be an example, they're not going to listen to you. you getting high liquid, they're getting high powder, whatever, or weed or whatever they're doing, and then you think you're going to be, and you want your family to be right. You got to get right. Just because your nephew need a joint and you need a sip, there is no difference. There is no difference. If I'm going to teach, I'm going to show by example. I'm going to show by example. Now, he, listen to this truth. Most of what's been taught in our church, before our founding pastor left, 
and while I'm here now. Listen, but, 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 but especially because it's still so fresh about our founding pastor Lee. Listen, listen to me closely. Most of what has been taught in our church is not something we wrote down. It's something we saw. It's something you've seen. And the only reason why you're writing down notes now, you're hoping that it'll help you with what you see. But most of it, and the reason why you could accept it, you could, is because you saw his walk. It was more of what you saw. And that's what people are going to see. It's going to be, the teaching and stuff, that's right, that's good. But you have to live. That's why the Bible says, those that preach the gospel should live it. Because people are going to learn by what they see. Most of what you know, if you say, I've learned so much of this church, most of it was from what you've seen. Because you wouldn't be able to receive any message if you saw something that was out of place. Or that was so far out of place that you couldn't even receive. So the teaching means to show by example. And why is that? Because you can't prepare a generation without involvement. And involvement, listen, involvement does not mean that you come in here and sit 52 weeks a, a year and listen to me. That's not involvement. I do nothing in the church. I just come and listen. That's all I want to do. That's not involvement. Just come and listen and to hear us talk. Listen to hear us minister. That's all I want to do. That's not involvement. No, now, come on, listen. You have to work with me. And when you work with me, I'm going to commit my life, my whole life, and live my life in such a way that we can work shoulder to shoulder. And because we're working shoulder to shoulder, you're going to see something. You're going to see something. You're going to see something in me. Why? Because we're shoulder to shoulder. Teaching also means to encourage. To encourage. You know what? If it's not encouraging, it's not teaching. If it's not encouraging, it's not teaching. Even if it's something you don't like. Because you might not like it, somebody else is encouraged. You need to do this. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I told you. You know what? You should have did this. You know. Well, then, no, then, then, that's not teaching. That's not teaching. And I have a news flash for you. Everyone that's listening, listen. Why are you telling this, that, that? Everybody, everybody say everybody. Not a person that's under the sound of my voice. Not one person alive that doesn't know what's wrong with them. Everybody, everybody in this room know what's wrong with them. Everyone can flip their card over and make a list of things that are wrong with you. If there's anyone listening to me that doesn't know what's... I, I ask a question. Is there anybody in this room that doesn't know what's really wrong with them? I know what's wrong with me. I know what's wrong with me. I know everything in my life. I know everything in my life I need to work on. Honestly, I do. I know all my problems. I know all my issues. 
I know all of my shortcomings. I know all of that. What I don't need is for you to tell me. What I need you to do is encourage me that I can fix it. That's all I need from you. Because I know my problem. And you telling me them, you know what it, what it makes me? I just can't wait for you to get up out of my face because I don't need you telling me what I already know. Encourage me on how I can fix it. Instead of telling me all about what I already know. Let me tell you. I don't know. How, how, how many out there streaming? How many of you have a dog? A dog even know what's right and wrong. What's wrong with him? You, some of you got pets in your home. That's why you think they, they, they just like a person. No, they're a dog. But even a dog, if they have certain, if they know they're not supposed to come in the kitchen and they come in the kitchen, you don't even really have to say that. You look and you be like, and the dog be like, mm, no. So you don't have to, you waste that time trying to tell them all about themselves. They know already what's wrong. You can just look at a dog, that uh, a dog that's in the house or whatever. Uh, let me tell you, when my mother lived in our house, my mother did not play, and she lived on a corner. She did not, I don't know how, and they, they didn't have in their neighborhood where your dog had to be on a, a leash, and dogs would run up and down that street. But they knew her house, and my mother... <laughs> Those dogs were scared of my mother. My mother would come out on that porch and she would throw rocks at them. She would keep, I, th- I come on, I said, Mom, what's all these rocks doing here? Yeah, if any dog come over here. But let me tell you, and I, and I witnessed it with my own eyes. I'm not talking about what I heard. I'm telling you, dogs would walk down the street and my mother's house was on the corner. I promise you, they would be walking and when they got to where my mother's house was, they would go out in the, uh, in the street and go around her house. They knew, they knew enough sense that that woman's going to rock at me. They knew it. And every dog in the neighborhood knew it. I said, well, how everybody know? All the dogs know nothing. My mother's yard is slick and beautiful. They would go around. They even know. And you think people don't know what's wrong with them? If you tell them what's not, you don't have to do that. That's not teaching. Teaching is encouraging them. I, you know, I, I, you know what? I don't want to talk about everything you do. I just wanted you to know what you can do. <laughs> I hope this is blessing you because it's blessing me. Don't use precious moments that God gives you to minister to someone by trying to tell them what they already know. Just minister to them on how to fix it. Encourage them. They know how, they, they know they've messed up. They know they're in trouble. They, they don't need to hear that. They need to be encouraged. Another definition of teach is to instruct. To instruct. But if there has been no example, listen, and no encouragement, there can be no instruction that they'll take. It, it means to instruct. But if there have not been an example, if there has not been any encouragement, there will be no instruction that they'll take from you. First, I have to be an example. Then, I have to encourage. I have to be encouraging. And then, they're willing and ready to hear your instructions. And you know, you, you know why we know that to be true? 
You know why we, when I said that, you said, you know, that's true. If I'm being an example, encouraging them, they do listen. You know why we know that that's true? Because that's how it works for us. That's how it works for us. If somebody's being an example and they've been encouraging you, and even they want to talk to you, like, yeah, you know, I talk to them. It's just the truth. When somebody's been an example encouraging you, now they can instruct you. But if somebody comes up to you, telling you your problem that you already know, you just want them to get, you know, please have the last word and move on. Number two, to be used by God, my mind must be prepared. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. My mind must be prepared. Listen, if God is going to use you, you have to get your mind right. Your mind has to be prepared for the next move of God. Listen, your heart, know this. Your heart can be ready and your mind not. Your heart can be ready and not your mind. I have met a lot of people with good hearts, but their minds were not in the right place. Your mind has to be ready to face difficulties, to deal with adversities. Your mind has to be ready. Your mind has to be ready to do what God says. And our minds have to be renewed if it's going to be ready. It's got to be renewed. You can't think like you used to think. You can't do that. Have you ever met a person who said, you know what? It's funny, but it's true. Have you ever met a person they be like, you know what, Pastor? I was ministering to them, I was with them, and they just kept just saying everything, and they made me so mad that I started cussing. See, your heart was in the right place, but your mind wasn't. You, 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 see, you, your heart was right, but your mind wasn't quite there. How are you going to start ministering and just start cussing? Your mind has to be sanctified with the truth. You have to let truth wash your mind. All of God's truth. Like the truth that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Make, let that wash your mind. All have sinned and came short of the glory of God. How about this truth? See, this is a good truth right here that, 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 that stumps people. All sin is sin. There's no, no, there's no non-disgusting sin. Not in the eyes of God. There's no non-disgusting sin. Oh, well, that's just disgusting. I, oh, listen. There's... Listen, and there is no sin that you can't understand. I don't understand how they could do that. Well, you've done some things. You've done some things. If you look back on it, and they were disgusting. I just don't understand how they could do it. You know what? I was laughing when I was studying on this. But you know what I'm glad about? I am glad that I lived before the age of cell phones. See, a lot of y'all haven't lived beyond cell phone, but I'm glad I lived before the time of the age of cell phones. You know, I really feel sorry for you young people 
Because guess what? Because I lived before the time of cell phone, my stuff disappeared. See, my stuff disappeared. <laughs> Thank God. Because I don't want nobody else and I don't want to see my stuff. Thank God I'm grateful that I lived before the age of cell phones. The best I could do was pass a note and the teacher would take it up and put it on the board. But at the end of the day, say, throw it in the trash. And that was the end of that. But now, this stuff get posted and it's forever. It's forever. And I'm so glad that my stupidity wasn't allowed to go viral. I'm so glad that when I used to go to the club, that nobody was in the club with a cell phone saying, Oh, get down. Go, go, girl, you go. With the flash and all of that. Because guess what? Right now, they'll be talking about, Oh, so is this your best? <laughs> and... And, and is that your founding pastor? Because why? Now, all our stuff is trash now. But yours is forever. Because all people do now, anything's done, you, it, 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 it's going viral. I'm going to get, I'm thankful <laughs> that I lived. But these young people trying to grow up in this technology, this age of technology, your stupidity is going to go viral. There's no erasing it. Uh, I deleted it. It's not deleted. You don't know that? Listen, I'm not even high tech, and I know that. Once it's on there, once you type something, once it's there, it's there forever. Let me tell you, the police department, everybody can find it. It never goes away. Mine is in teacher's trash can. It's been in the fire. It's gone. You know what, when you think of it like that, I just can't believe how the parents are arming their children with these tools of destruction. A nine-year-old told me that she had a cell phone. A nine-year-old. And that's another subject for another time. Arming their children with tools of destruction. And I did some research, and I said, you know what? Know this. One day we'll learn if the manufacturer of the device won't give it to their children, why would you give it to yours? If the whole manufacturer will not give it to their own children, would you give it to yours? Nine. And I'm like, and I asked, I said, what do you need with a poem? And nine. She said, well, to call my parents. Well, where are you that your parents are not? At nine. At nine, my grandchildren are going to be. I wish I would. Where are you with a, with a phone? Where are you that I'm not? Mm-mm. If a manufacturer won't give it to their children, they're making money off of you. My children will not have that. Maybe we'll get some sense. 
So my mind has to be prepared, renewed, sanctified. I need some wisdom and some understanding and some judgment. You know, there's a lot of people with some good hearts and bad judgments. And the Bible says wisdom. Get understanding. You know, you can acquire wisdom. You can inquire understanding. You can gain judgment. You can do all that. It's a working progress. It's, it's a process. It's a process in that word. Listen, my mind must be prepared to think correctly. Because when God wants to use me, your thinking is gonna, it, it's going to be challenged. That's why Paul said, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. My mind has to be prepared to think correctly. Your thoughts are going to be challenged. And so you have to ask yourself, can I think about what is pure, honest? Can I truly think about what is just and what's a good report? Can I keep my mind focused on things that are virtue and praise? Can I do that? All of this is out of Philippians 4. In other words, have I prepared my mind by applying what I've learned, what I've heard, what I've received and seen in others? That's in my midst. Have I learned and heard and seen in others? People say, you know what, Pastor? I have a calling on my life. Well, can you think correctly is my question. That's a serious question. What do you mean by that? Can you walk in a hospital room thinking correctly? Can you walk in a hospital room where the doctors have told the family there's nothing else they can do? And this person have moments to live or hours to live. Can you walk in the room and think correctly? Can you minister to them? I'm asking, that's a question. Think correctly. Can you think correctly about that situation? It's amazing to me how many Christians can't think in times when, on little elementary truths, they can't think. Elementary truths that present to them, they can't think. Now, we as Christians, we know what the Bible says. The Bible says that it is appointed once for every man to die. And so I walk in, and the family is, somebody's about to die in the Lord. And you don't know how to minister to them. You come into a Christian, and you need consoling. Instead of being the one that's consoling. When you know what the truth says. They're dying in the Lord. See, thinking correctly means, okay, instead of saying, oh God, I don't want to go in there. I don't know what to say to him. You have to learn to think correctly. I, my, my mind goes to, when my, when my pastor passed away, and yet I was hurt, crushed, still am hurt, crushed, still am grieving, still am. But you know what gets me through? To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. That gets me through daily. 
It gets me through daily. Why? Because I watch my mind and my heart with that truth. And I can, I can minister that to someone else. It should never be that we have someone consoling a Christian when a Christian dies in the Lord. Not only do we have to think correctly, but our mind must be prepared with the proper attitude. You have to have the right attitude. Let this mind be in you also that was in Christ Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, that's talking about your attitude. How many of you know that God is going to use you? If he's going to, you have to have the right attitude. You have to have a right attitude. You have to have the right attitude of humility. You have to have an attitude of a servant. You have to have an attitude that you don't make my... I'm not trying to make a reputation for myself. You have to have an attitude to be obedient... That's the proper attitude. I posted something the other day and I'll say it here. If you want to measure your humility, see how long it takes you to say you're wrong. How long does it take you to admit you're wrong? That'll show your humility. Are you still trying to make excuses and go around and still and st- No. Listen, in order to be prepared... To be used, my, my mind must be, let us see, I have to endure. I have to endure. In other words, we have to be tough-minded. Everybody in this church. Now listen, listen, because I'm about to close out, but I've got to tell you this. All of you young adults, all of you next generation people, that's, that, that's 50 on down. Listen, one of the things... I want to work on for the next couple of years. And that's a little bit tougher mentality. You're going to have to have a little bit tougher mentality. You know, every generation has their weaknesses. My generation had its weaknesses. In my generation, we didn't want to grow up. Not all of us, but many. Your weakness is a lack of mental toughness. Listen to me. It's a weakness birthed out of the ease in which things come to you. That's why you lack that toughness. We've been given too much. Y'all have been given too much. Y'all, we've made it easy for you. And so it comes out of that. Your lack of mental toughness comes out of the fact that I've never had to be pressed to do anything. See, when you can talk on a phone and get an answer, you don't develop mental toughness. Ask Google. Google it. Ask Alexa. Ask Siri. See, there's no mental toughness there. Just, just get it from there. Wait, wait. What did you say? Let me see. Let me look that up. Let me see. Let me. Siri, tell me this. No mental toughness. So I have no mental toughness to go out and seek and search and strive. It's just a weakness. My weakness in our generation, we failed struggling to get outside ourselves. Just grow up. But I've been able to overcome that through the Word. 
And many of our churches have been able to overcome. Many in this church have been able to overcome those weaknesses. We recognize that that's a problem. Your weakness, your weakness is the slightest wind blows you out. Just the slightest deal. All of a sudden, a guy come in your life, it's blowed out. A girl come in your life, I'll light somebody. It just blows you out. They they didn't speak to me. I'm not coming back next week. See, all of that. That's not mental toughness. And it's heightened in you by your social presence. Social media have made you, you you hypersensitive to other people. And what, you you know, which it makes it difficult for, for you to be who you are. Because I'm looking for likes and acceptance and what you think. Who liked it? Who follows? What do people think? What do people think about me? What are they going to say? What's their response? What is their response going to be? I'm looking to see. Constantly, constantly taking pictures of yourself to get approval from others. But at some point, you have to develop a mentality that is not about anybody else but me and God. It's about me and the Lord. Because there are some young people in this ministry, God wants to use you to save your family, to change what you see. But you're going to have to have a mental fortitude in your mind to get it done. And we're just not there. Listen, endurance, please write it down, endurance is a mindset. Endurance is not the condition of the body. My son is teaching me that. Endurance is not a condition of the body, but a condition of the mind. Endurance is a condition of the heart. It is a condition. It's, it, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not a condition of the heart. It is a condition of the mind. The body, the heart will follow the mentality of the, of the mind. The mind says it, you, it'll keep doing it. If the mind says don't stop, don't quit, don't give up, don't give in, don't turn back, the body can't, the body can hurt, it can scream, the heart can be broken, your muscles can ache, you can be tired, sore, fatigued, but guess what? If your mind keeps telling you keep going, keep going, you'll keep going, you will keep going, you won't stop. If the mind keeps telling you, If the mind can tell a fighter when the bell rings, get in there, and I don't care, man or woman, get in there, and I don't care how many punches are thrown, I I don't care how many times you hit the canvas, get back up. They can take it, they get right back up, and still be... They're all up against the rope, but their mind says, you can do it a little further. I've seen people hit the canvas, and I mean, they're dragging themselves off the track just to get up. No, and and they don't want the referee to tell them it's over. No, I'm good. I'm good. Because the mind says, you can keep going. If a person can spring their knee, tear the ligaments, and still keep going, it's because the mind says, you're okay, let's go through the pain, but you can get there, keep going. The mind, and the body will obey it. The body will be like, oh, huh, I'm still, yeah. you'll get up off the ground, and you, you will make that commitment to get back in the game, even though your ligaments torn, 
even though you're all everything is messed up. I've seen, and, and my son's sister, because now, now I'm looking at all of the CrossFit stuff on, on TV, and I'll be like, how are they doing that? If you can see a person weigh, run 26.4 miles straight, just keep running and don't stop, that's a mind thing. Keep going, keep going, and nothing stops them. And they breathe, and you can see this. You can see the body just doing, and they just keep punching on. And that is, has nothing to do with the body. It has to do with endurance of the mind. My son said, Mom, you can do it. You can do it. It doesn't matter. And I say, remember, I'm 60, whatever. He's a, it doesn't matter. It don't matter about your age. Just, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Just tell your mind you can do it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And I find myself keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. I'm like, you know, this mind thing, and it, that's where I'm getting this from. The mind, the body will do what the mind tells If the mind says, don't stop, don't. Keep going. And that's what I need in this church. I need young men and women 55 and down. I want you to have that kind of mentality. That kind of mentality. A heart. Now listen, I'm not questioning your heart because I, I know every young person in this ministry, every young adult, every minister in this ministry, I, I, I know your heart. I'm not questioning your heart. But now I need you to have the mental toughness The mental toughness that says, come hell or high water, low water, no water, don't need water, nothing is going to stop me from doing what God said to do. That's what I want. That's what I want to see. I want you to press in. It is a mindset. Paul understood it. He understood it. When he was working with Timothy, he said, why did he say that to Timothy? He said, listen, the same thing that was in your mother... And your grandmother. It's in you. Sometimes sometimes you just have to be reminded. It's in you. Black, listen, young black men. Young Latino men. You can do this. Black men, you, you, do you know who you are? Do, do you really know who you are? Listen. Captivity in Africa didn't stop you. The Middle Passage couldn't kill you. Sold into slavery didn't stop us. Going through Jim Crow didn't stop you. At every point, at every time, you are descendants of survivors. It's there. It's there. You are the descendant of those that have made it through. Listen. You are descendant of those that have made it through. Every test, every trial, and you know, will we let marijuana stop us? No. I'm not letting marijuana stop us. Will we let gang violence stop us? No. It's not going to hold me back. I have a mentality. I won't let a textbook defeat us. You can't. 
We won't let the systematic poverty crush us. Racism keep us from excelling. But that's a mentality. It's a mentality of a way of thinking. It's saying, I know this is what it is and I, I'm not going to let it stop me. Do you know who you are? Young black men and young black women. Do you know who you are? Things are winning because you just don't have the right mentality. Things in your life are just winning that should not be winning. And it's simply, all it is is a mentality. You have not developed the right mindset. I need you to develop it. When you don't have the right mindset, you're easily defeated. Easily defeated. And that's what's defeating us now. In this time. Young men and young women being defeated. You got to get up. Recognize who you are. Get mentally tough. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be powerful in the Word. I'm going to walk in this Word. I'm going to be all God called me to be. I don't care what people think. I don't care what they say. I'm going to. You are focused. You have to tell yourself, I'm not the one that loses. you got to have that mentality. I'm not the one who fails. I'm not going to fail. I'm not the one who quits. See, I'm not all over the place. Oh, I'm in this one time and now I'm going in. I'm going to this ministry. I'm going to that. I, well, we, I'm not coming back. No, that's a quitter. You are those who stand up. You stay where you're put. It's a heart issue. It's a mentality issue. Toughness. That's why Paul told Timothy. Did I tell you to go to Timothy 2? Did I tell y'all to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2? Beginning at verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him that hath chosen him to be a soldier. I'm going to read it again. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a good soldier. We have to develop a mentality. It's a, develop, a, a mentality through every challenge. You can't let any challenge stop you. Let it be a challenge. Then strengthen your mentality in the midst of that challenge. But never let it defeat you. It's a challenge, but I'm going to get through. You have to get a mindset. And a mindset is developed through adversity. That's how you're going to get a storm out. Through adversity. You have to say, this adversity will not stop me. Working on a mindset is developing by overcoming what people say. Overcome it. You cannot let what anybody say stop you. Working on a mindset. You have to learn how to endure hardness as a good soldier. Talking about working on a mindset. 
Don't get your thigh, yourself tied up in the affairs of this life. Don't do it. Don't get tied up in what the world is doing and what the world is saying. But try to please Him that chose you. Try, try. See, you need to cut off the news and spend some time with Him that chose you. And you won't get caught up in the fact. I'm not talking about being ignorant to what's going on. We know we need to know what's going on. But don't get entangled with it and so caught up in it that you want to do all kind of foolish things. That's not mental toughness. Do you know you could have been snuffed out a long time ago? (laughs) A long time ago. Your lineage could have been wiped out. As many lineage, many people's lineage have been wiped out, thousands, but yours haven't. But somehow, God has put you in a survival family. He put you in a survival family at this church. A survival family. Get, he gave you a survival name. Brought you to this place. Where you are right now. So that you can develop a mentality, not to just, not just to have a heart for, or have a heart to do that, but have the heart to do something about what you see. But you have to have a mentality. Watch this, last one. My heart has to be prepared. My mind has to be prepared. But here's the key. My life also has to be prepared. See, I can prepare my heart. I can prepare my mind. But if my life isn't right, that's why it says that no man, no man, I like what verse 4 says, no man that warrants entangles himself with the affairs of this life. You have to get your life prepared. My life has to be right. My life has to be prepared. I have to, pro- I, I have, to have proper relationships. Have proper relationships. Step, listen, step one for my life to get it untangled from dead relationships, deadbeat relationships, and that includes in the church. The deadbeat, let it go. You gotta get away from false guides of ministering and learn how to untangle your life. In other words, you have to have a mind, your own business syndrome. I want to mind my own business. You are not called to get yourself wound up in the business of somebody else. Say, oh, that's what they're doing? Let it go. Mind your business. It takes all of your energy just to mind your own business. When you get into people's business, you're getting entangled into some things that you're not qualified to do. You're not qualified to do anything about it, so don't get entangled with it. Listen, your life is prepared when your finances are in order. Are your finances in order? Listen, God can't use you when, you're, when you owe everybody. I'm going to tell you that now. You owe Him and you, you... You owe Him your life. But you've auctioned it off. You've auctioned it off. So now, the person, which is God, that owns your life, he can't have it. Because you've auctioned it all. 
You gave him your life and he owns it and you debited it out to somebody else. This owing. We got to have our finances in order. My life is prepared to be used by God when affairs, my affairs, are in order. In other words, where my things don't control me. You need things to live but shouldn't be entangled with them. Shouldn't be bound down with them. Shouldn't be burdened down with them. You should be free from habits and addictions. You got to get your life right, your heart right, your mind right. Because God needs you to use you in this time of preparation. And it's now. Now, I'm going to give you some instructions from God. What he told me we need to do. Being prepared for his next move. And it's just, a, just, just, just right quick. <laughs> Where is it? I wrote it down. I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll say just that. At the end. Now, this, now, listen, those of you that's going to do it, you're going to be all right. Those of you that start the plow and you turn back, you're going to be in trouble. But God is going to tell you exactly what you need to do and you need, and you need to do it. First of all, you need to get out of debt. Write it down. Oh, I can remember that. No, write it down. Make it plain so you can see and know and do. You need to get out of debt. Listen. Increase your savings for what's next, his next move. Get out of debt and increase your savings. Those of you that will abide by that, get out of debt and increase your savings. Say it again. So that you'll remember this when you don't do it and say how many times did God say it? God said, tell them for the next move, this is what I want them to do. We're preparing, remember. He said, get out of debt and increase your savings. You're going to need it for what's coming. The Lord just provided for you for what's coming. Get out of debt. Increase your savings. So, whatever you're doing now, stops now. Increase your savings. It, now, this is going to be very difficult for a person that don't save. But it's a challenge. You have to have mental toughness. Have mental toughness. Get out of debt. And increase your savings. So that when all the little things change, those of you that are streaming, it's for you. If you're hearing, God is telling you what to do. He said, get out of debt and increase your savings. So when all of it happens and something is coming, you'll say, thank God. Thank God. God, now I see why he told me to get out of debt and now I know why I needed to increase my savings. Now, you have to do all of that and still keep all your obligations. Because God is not telling you, don't pay your obligations. Don't say, don't pay your commitment. Don't do, you just got to, no, you got to do all of that 
and get out of debt and increase your savings. It's there. It's there. You can't see it because you're not saving it. See, a lot of times people think, oh, that's just $5. They don't see it's a savings. They don't see, oh, I'm going to put it away anyway. They don't see $3. If that's all you have, oh, that ain't nothing. I'll just wait till I get it big. No, well, let me tell you, you're not going to do it if it's big. If you can't do it with $3, you ain't going to do it with 20 You ain't going to do it. If you can't do it with $5, you ain't going to do it. You're definitely not going to do it with 100 Just start there. If it's extra and you, you done paid your obligation, you did all your commitments that you're going to do, and you, whatever's left, save it. Listen attentively, submit fully, conform completely. Be serious about his warnings. And if you're streaming, you're not here by happenstance. He's getting you ready. Get out of debt. He's giving you time. See, it's, it amazes me. A lot of times when you tell people stuff like this, they're like, oh, well, you know, nothing happened. Let me, let me tell you, God might be telling you this for three years later. He might be telling you this for four months later. He might be telling you this for this week. He, it doesn't matter. You act like it's right now. And when it comes, you'll know when it is. And you'll be thankful that you listen. Get, out of, get outside of looking at me. Because I have to do it. I'm not exempt. I'm not exempt. But I know how to save. But the, the only person that's really going to be difficult for is people that don't, 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 just have a hard time saving. A hard time getting out of debt. And let me tell you, a person that's hard to get out of debt. A person that had paid their credit card out and then used it all the way back up again. This is going to be a challenge for you. But it's not impossible. He's giving you the tools. He's giving you tools today. He's showing you how to work it. Work for, have mental toughness. Mental toughness in this. And say, I'm going to do this. Why? Because I believe that God said something is coming. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.